I'm ready when you are. Ready? I'm ready. All right. Hi, everybody. This is Twin Peaks. Wait, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it again. Okay, one, two. This is, three. hi, everybody. This is Twin Peaks. Wait, I fucked up. <laughs> This is Drunk Monkeys Logcasting, and I'm one of your hosts, Colleen Carney Hefner. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Chris Pruitt. This is not Twin Peaks Logcasting. Uh, we're here today to talk about Season 1, Episode 5, The One-Armed Man. And so, um, real quick, just I try to tell everybody this at the beginning of each episode, but if you're not familiar with our format, we just sort of talk about the episode scene by scene. We're really spoiler light. For first-time viewers, um, follow along with us. It's pretty fun. This I is, think we're great. <laughs> this is really good pro form you have with this, remembering to do it. It was like that second time we'd had Seth on, and I remembered to ask him to plug himself. I was like, oh, just crushing this podcast thing. Here. <laughs> really supportive of our friends and co-hosts. So, um, all right, so we're just going to jump right in. Um, episode five. So I don't know what my notes say. So, oh, okay. We we open on the Palmer household. Yeah. And we have Sarah describing her vision of Bob to Andy, who apparently is also a, a very talented yeah. sketch artist. My, my first note here is, hey, Andy's a pretty good sketch artist. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, you can't even, I think when it first shows the sketch, you can't even really tell it's him doing it. Like, you might be able to tell from his hair or something, but it wasn't immediately obvious to me when I was watching it this time. I kind of forgot, because this doesn't really come back that he does the sketches, but it, it's really funny that it shows, like, this pretty good sketch, and then it turns around and it's Andy, the guy whose, like, entire thing is that he fucks everything up. It's <laughs> right. like, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, he's actually, it's like that that Onion article that's like, Elderly woman died not realizing she was a piano virtuoso or whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, he's just like, low, like, oh, no, Andy likes this guy. He's just some sort of, like, savant <laughs> or something. Awesome. So, um, she's describing. And this is weird because Harry's there, which makes sense. But Donna is yes. also there? So, this is, I, I wrote a note about this, too. And I complained in an earlier episode where it was, like, kind of random that Donna was at their house, like, and uh, when something was happening, and I was like, and you were like, oh, it makes sense. She was coming by as a grief visit or something. Yeah, they she were close best with friends. Laura. I was like, okay, okay, yeah, I get that. Why the fuck is Donna in this scene? And I know narratively the reason she's here is for her to react to what gets said about the necklace momentarily here. Yeah. But... They make no effort to try to explain why she's there. She's just sitting on the couch. She's yeah, it's like, okay, I guess, like, I guess she's part of the police yeah, force Yeah, 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 exactly. Why like, not? Everyone else Yeah, yeah everybody else is. Maybe she's a bookhouse boy. Uh, um, they're, they're really like, like, this is really great uh, police procedure here to just have like a random high school girl like sit in on a description school. of... Uh, of a, whatever it is. A I, why are they even taking a sketch of a vision? These well, I, this is, I mean, I assume they're taking a sketch of the vision because of, and yeah. it does come yes. back with yes. Coop, but it is a strange, yeah, but, like, like, what are they telling Donna? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's like, it, it's very like, oh, we're really a long way from Kansas now. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, because Coop's dream said there was this guy, like, we need to get this vision. And oh, it's man. sad because Sarah is talking about how she's like, he had long hair, he's this and that. And Leland comes out and he's like almost like drunk. 
with grief but and maybe also maybe drunk yeah. <laughs> and he's like why don't you tell him about the necklace you saw a necklace vision and he's like making fun of her like, and it's really shitty he's like he's hella dumping on her um it doesn't it doesn't strike me as unrealistic because it's like they're grieving in very different ways and obviously like this is strenuous on the family or whatever and of course you know anytime we talk about what's realistic in twin Peaks, it's you immediately go into some <laughs> nasty territory there but it makes sense to me that they're like at odds with each other because neither of them are processing well and they're both like trapped it's just in this mean, house man i don't like grief. it no i i mean it is mean it's bad but what's important about this it's, scene... It's almost like he's a bad guy. Or it something. sounds... It's, it's like he's abusive, but I don't it's know. Like there's some... There's some... I don't know. Like, something... He's got a bad vibe around yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so her vision is a gloved hand reaching down to a pile of dirt with a rock and digging and getting a necklace, which we all know, uh, like, the geniuses they are, Donna and James buried Laura's necklace. And and we actually saw this image. It was the last yes. shot of the first episode. So it's interesting to hear, oh, this was Laura's vision. Sarah's uh, vision. Or, yeah. I'm sorry, Sarah's vision. Because it happened. Yeah. Oh, but and, of course, Dawn is like... <gasps> which, of course, is why she's in the scene. But again, what the fuck? Why is she here? Yeah, it um, makes no sense. It's weird. I think Madeline is also walking around serving tea and stuff. It's it's really strange. They She is her. serving tea. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, we'll just put the cousin who's visiting to yeah. work. yeah. I mean, fine. It makes sense. Again, she's. I'm here to help out uh, Aunt Sarah and Uncle Leland. She'll say it later. But again, like they kind of dumped her into the series last episode, and then have done nothing with her yet. So, like maybe Donna so knows her and is yeah. like, "I'll come see her." But there's no context yeah. for any of it. It's very yeah. strange. So, so after a pr- the previous episode, in which I talked a lot about how oh the writing feels a lot stronger, this episode opens and it's just immediately a mess. It's a mess. It's unclear what's going on. Um, we move from there to another sub-scene of an invitation to love. Love it. Which I, you know, again, invitation I'm still hoping it, that there's some way that I can, like, kickstart a full series of invitation to love production or something. Uh, we've got Chet and Emerald on the screen. and Not Jade. Not, not Jade. Emerald. And Emerald seems to be in the act of seducing him for reasons we'll find out more about momentarily but we've got chet and emerald on the screen at the same time is a real men aren't doing their best meme it's just he he is a potato with like cartoon glasses drawn on it it's like god spilled a person (laughs) yes and emerald and emerald is like the the smoldery sister right so yeah she's like the sexy sex pot yeah so it's it's a real thing um it's a whole thing uh so the, the cops come in and we see that this particular scene within scene is Lucy watching Invitation to Love at her desk at work. Um, and <laughs> Which, like, that is a mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, relatable. same. Relatable. But then Harry's like, hey, what's going on, Lucy? And then she proceeds to describe the entire plot of Invitation <laughs> to Love, um, which has to do with... Real estate crimes and yes. inheritance around that. It doesn't sound like anything we've got going on here in Twin Peaks that I know about. It's <laughs> another community reference. Are you being meta? <laughs> <laughs> um, this is and, just reminds me of community for some and, and this is the first we see of the extremely vaguely implied up till now Lucy-Andy relationship being on the rocks. 
Yes, we haven't solidly like known there are, are they aren't they couple, but there there's some strife here in this episode, yeah. and I want to get down to what that is. Yeah. So and and we get it by the way we get both the idea that they're in trouble and the fact that this has finally been solidified as a relationship by Andy going, "Why didn't I spend the night last night?" In the most passive tense voice ever. Like, he has no idea. Like, why didn't it happen? Did I walk home on accident? Like, he has, he has no clue what the series of events were. What is going on? <laughs> Did I enter a fugue state? Yeah. I don't get it. Am I always in a fugue state? <laughs> Am I always at my house? <laughs> Lucy kind of cold shoulders him. Yeah. I don't know. It's It seems bad. She's like, whatever. And she calls him, uh, like, officer, yeah. whatever Andy's last name yeah, is. I can never like, remember. Oh, man. Like, I don't think Andy remembers. <laughs> it's not important. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, we we cut from there to Cooper in one of the conference rooms with Dr. Jacoby, which apparently this was set up last night when he ran into him at the funeral, or I'm sorry, at the at the cemetery at the grave site. The funeral, yeah, yeah. But there's this. I this scene is such a mood to me that Jacoby is doing this like incredibly stupid like uh, close up magic with like like swallowing a golf ball and having it come out his ear and stuff and then like Coop is just standing like like a fucking Easter Island statue watching <laughs> him just un- totally unreactive it's so good I really love it and I think everybody has known a person like that who's just like I'm always on yeah, yeah. and you're like can you just fucking have a <laughs> can conversation you never not? and, and again put the golf ball down you asshole we've talked about this in a lot of ways but Coop himself is a guy that's always on so for him to whittling be like, and whistling yeah, yeah, and to, to be this in the room with Jacoby and be like this fucking guy like <laughs> that's really really tells you something about that uh, they um, talk about Laura's coke use. Uh, Jacoby mentions that she had secrets, and oh, excuse me. Um, and you know, he tries to go into like you know doctor patient confidentiality and all yeah. this and that. J- Jacoby's motives get really muddy here. Um, maybe on purpose. Maybe because of weird writing or performance, but he's like, in the previous episode, he's really like, oh, Laura touched me. Like, I, I feel this strong need to help get to the bottom of this. And now that he's in the room with Coop, he's like, well, I can't really answer these questions. Yeah. And he gives like a very vague... It's very wishy wash. Yeah, he gives a very vague hint that Leo might be involved, which is like, it is a hint, but it's also something the cops already suspect. Yeah. So it's not very helpful. There are a couple of really great lines out of Jacoby, just from an entertainment value standpoint. Um, Coop asks him, were her problems of a sexual nature? And <laughs> Jacoby says, the problems of our entire society are sexual in nature, <laughs> which is good. And then he turns he turns around shortly after that and sees the map on the wall. And he says, ah, Tibet. And he's still got Coop's Tibet map on the, wall, on the board over there, which is a great piece of continuity. He goes, my interests lie to the east as well, but only as far as Hawaii. And he says, he, says this really, Hawaii. he says Hawaii in this very affected way. But also, I'm starting to think about it. East? They're on the Pacific Northwest. The, the, <laughs> the, it is the most... You had to go all the way around the earth to go east Maybe, to get to Hawaii. But like, is he talking about Hawaii in relation to Tibet, though? I mean, he says, my interests lie to the east as well, saying that, like... Oh, like, okay. Cooper is taking an interest in Tibet as an Eastern influence. So, I mean, 
<laughs> he's an idiot. Just, just like, <laughs> he's like, an yeah. idiot, and I feel like an idiot for trying to figure out well, what he's well, talking about. Well, but he about. just says it. It's like it, it doesn't really mean anything. It's just stupid. Like I, I mean, I think it's just supposed to be a throwaway joke, but it also like. It makes my head spin. My favorite part of that scene is that he says Hawaii. Hawaii. But then the next line, he's like, the Hawaiian yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what he the hell, man? Yeah. Um, and then we get, following Jacoby leaving the room and not being particularly helpful, like Harry walks in, sort of asks a question, and he just leaves. Um, and then we get an introduction of one of the best characters, though he's not on the screen yet. Gordon it's Gordon Cole. Cole. <laughs> I'm doing like that raising the roof thing that kids do. What do you think? Um, Gordon Cole, of course, played by David Lynch. Um, Probably just recording what he's saying on set and just playing it yeah. through the speaker. He calls Coop. Um, they talk a bit about what happened with Albert. Yeah, we get more about this paperwork being submitted about the assault, which is just so choice. It's less about the fight. And he's like, I've got this report from Albert. <laughs> Super good. I know you're there to solve a, a series of crimes, but can we talk about yeah. Albert being a douchebag? Yeah, yeah. He talks a little bit, a bit more about further stuff Albert has discovered, but we don't really get any new information. He's just like, here's an image of the J that he found in the... In the stomach, and it just is an image of something broken with a J on it. It's like, cool, we have exactly as much information now. And he starts, when he starts talking about the fight, Coop gets mad. Yeah. And Gordon goes, goes, now don't get angry and hang up on me. And he hangs and up Coop on him right as he says that. It's really funny. Um, Coop has no time for this Albert yeah. drama. Yeah. He's like, I am fucking over it. Yeah. I was over it before it even began. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got um, Andy showing back up with the sketch. Bob and of course Coop's like yeah that is that's the guy that that's I saw in my guy. vision and he said I didn't go with you because I'm a strong sender and I might have influenced her like, that's fuck? why I didn't go to the sketch scene that's why we had to have Donna go in my stead <laughs> uh, my handwriting is terrible for these notes so I'm very glad that you're meticulous okay uh, so we've got from here oh my god now we go back to fucking Josie spying on yeah, Catherine I, so so these people the, bore the, me. The, the the way the way we get here is um suddenly they're like, Oh, we found a one armed guy, he's in a motel somewhere. And then, oh, we gotta go. Like this is enough like there is a guy missing an arm and this is enough for them to like get on the horn. Well, case closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're heading off to that. We we cut to a motel. And I have my note here is just Josie is the worst P.I. She's like parked right in front of this motel, conspicuously on the side of the road, hanging halfway out the car with her like camera. And and let's be clear, this is intentional because later on the char other characters will comment on it. So like she is bad at this. She's supposed to appear to be bad at it. But it's like insane looking. It's, <laughs> you're just cringing watching it. Um, she's like, she's like binoculars yeah. or whatever. She's like, mm -hmm. Yeah, she's trying to catch uh, Ben Horn and Catherine in the act of their, uh, what do we want to call it? Their tryst. Trist. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we keep getting shots in and out of their room where they're still doing like really awkward, like, arson flirting and like <laughs> arson and feet are like arson the entirety of their sexual sex prowess. stuff and like sipping rosé they're always sipping rosé I'm into it yeah it is it is just kind of specific though that they always have rosé at this shitty little motel um so we get some cuts in and out of that. There's this bit I was going to ask you about because I'm totally lost. Like Ben says he's going to get in the shower and uh 
Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm skipping over something here. Oh, I know so, what you're going to say, so, but yeah, yeah, I yeah. wrote here. So before that happens, I, I got a little out of order there. Um, so the cops show up. They're also showing up to the motel. Yeah. Because this is where they found their But man. in this part with Josie, I wrote, Josie spying on Catherine and Ben. Then I wrote Invitation to Love. Yeah, yeah. Then I wrote Pete oh, yes. the Poodle. What the fuck is Pete the Poodle? Pete the Poodle is what Catherine Oh, that's what says. she calls Pete, She right? calls Pete because Pete the Poodle helped her find the And I'm like, Pete the, the Poodle? Ledgers. I just realized yeah. what that is. What a... Like, that's not an insult. Calm no, down. It's extremely weird. She's but of course, weird. they're watching Invitation to Love. They're watching again. Invitation to Love. My favorite. Um, the cops show up. A lot is happening at once here. Yeah, there's a lot going way. on. Um, it, I, I think it's supposed to create tension that they're going to come in on this Catherine Ben thing, but they don't. They're going into a different room. To, because the one armed uh, man is there. Yeah, the one armed the man is there. Um, Andy drops his gun. Like a fucking moron, and it like shoots off into nowhere. And they're like, mm, "Trouble's which, a brewing out there." Yeah, yeah. Which then alerts Catherine and Ben. Although they're not coming for them, the cops are like busting in on somebody. And Ben goes, "Well, try not to get shot. I'm going into the shower with Elvis." And he has this tiny Elvis. Little, he's like, "I'm gonna go like clean little Elvis." What? Which if he didn't have, if he didn't. You'd be like, that's his that's dick. That's his dick. Like, and, that's and fine. And that's probably the joke, but it's like, he also he literally also has, has an a, Elvis figurine. It's a small Elvis figurine. What? I don't even know what I'm supposed to be getting from that. Well, I'm like, going to I'm gonna have to tweet a picture of that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I'm just totally lost on this. And, especially and she's because, like, okay. Yeah, especially because it happens in the middle of this, like, they're kicking open this Yeah, there's guy's a lot happening. Room. The gun's going off. Josie is the worst PI. And basically... Uh, they get in the room with this one-armed guy, and he, and then they're like, he really takes it in stride. They're He's very like, like Logan. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're very like, how'd you lose his arm? He's like, uh, car accident. I don't know. It's like. What's in your suitcase? Uh, shoes. I'm a shoe salesman. <laughs> like, yeah. They're all of, right. Well, I'm a shoe salesman. He's he, sample shoes. He's kind of really unflapped. Uh, he's. Name is Gerard. Uh, Mr. He, Gerard. Mr. Gerard. He's not particularly upset until they ask about the tattoo missing, which feels like it's going to build up to something. And he goes, "It said mom on it." Oh, is that what he said, mom? I yeah. thought he said Bob. No, no. Jesus mom. Christ. Um, I do want to say, going back to the little Elvis thing very quickly, mm-hmm. I would not be shocked if that was an entire setup just for the one-armed, one-eyed Jacks. Um coin to come out of his pocket because yeah, I mean, she I finds guess so. it and yeah. she's like mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's right. Is. that's right but like really like that's a whole setup for that yeah. like come it's on the whole thing because I have all this weird. written at the same time so I think it was kind of going back yeah, yeah no it was and the, this whole scene is really confusing it's very like, confusing. It, sorry that this probably sounds like shit from a podcast but to be fair but, watch the yeah, episode it the scene is sense. kind of shit it's not tracked well at all we get this really someone out there we get this really weird Dropped in detail where this guy, Mr. Gerard, does have a friend named Bob, but he's like a vet. He's a local veterinarian. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with anything, but it gives our cops another lead. Because even though many details of Cooper's dream have turned out to not be real, nobody seems to be bothered by this. Mm -hmm. They're just like, no, we're just going to keep following this dream thing. Like, even though it's been, like, basically wrong so far, um, we're we're just going to keep going at this. This is our only idea. Um, So... They wind up leaving. Everybody winds up walking away from the scene with slightly more confusing information. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's 
a very strange... And he's really upset about his friend being in a coma, which is yeah, kind of yeah. sad. But, yeah. like... Um, that's his explanation and for he's appearing a veterinarian at the, yeah yeah that's his explanation that's Mr. Gerard's explanation for appearing at the hospital earlier in the series that his yeah, friend his the veterinarian named Bob is in a coma at the hospital and he is sad about it and he's visiting his friend um, like mm-hmm, and shoes and that's all that's all we get it's so bizarre but then we go out and Hawks like Josie was here by the way yeah 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 and Hawks like like doing the fucking like Walker Texas Ranger thing where he like looks at the ground he's like a Josie has been here. Yeah, it's like it's so weird. Like, you know how you could tell Josie was here? Because she was like hanging halfway out of her vehicle when you pulled up. Like, it's so bizarre. Did you knew Josie was here? Yeah, yeah we all yeah, saw yeah, that. Yeah, we saw her. Hawk's like, I've been tracking. <laughs> um, oh god. We smash cut to one of my favorite lines in the entire series where um we're in the girls' bathroom at the high school. And Audrey comes out of a stall with a cigarette. Donna's looking at herself in the mirror. And Audrey says, I've been doing some research. In real life, there is no algebra. Gold. (laughs) One. That's not really true. Two. Something a teenager would say. Three. Rules anyway. Yeah, yeah, awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the song playing here, I was like, oh, it's Audrey's song. And they're not in a thing. But it's not Audrey's song, is it? It's, It's the... Melon song, I think. Uh, I think the, <laughs> the name of that. Song? I'd have to go back and listen to it again. But I was listening to the soundtrack on the way here, and the name of the song, if I'm right, is is freshly squeezed, <laughs> which is like you know obviously kind oh of a callback back to that horrible. Coup. Why are we talking about this line again? <laughs> but because I was like, it's Audrey's song, and you said that in whenever they yeah. play Audrey's theme, but it's not Audrey's yeah. theme, so I was wrong. Yeah, well, maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna keep paying attention to that because I think most of the time it is laid into the scene. I don't think it's 100% consistent but yeah, it yeah. is something I want to keep I'm almost for. 100% positive the song in this scene is not, not actually Audrey's theme, Got which it. Chris posits is always actually playing in the scene, yes. not not in the background soundtrack. It usually is, at any rate. I'm going to um, go back and, and I'll clarify on that at some point. So. so we've got this brief exchange. Audrey and Donna basically just decide to pool their knowledge to try to figure out what's going on with this murder. She's um, like, Laura was on coke. And Donna's like, yeah, everybody yeah, fucking and Donna's like, And she's like, yeah. what else is about Laura? And like, they just kind of like gossip for a bit. And obviously she's like, you're trying to play detective, aren't you? Huh? And Audrey's pretty clear about her motives are she wants to solve the murder so she can bone Coop. And Donna is just like, yeah, well, I'm kind of concerned about it because she was my friend. And they're like, And also right, that well, guy's like 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's weird. And they like decide to like Wonder Twin powers activate here. Um, what's kind of troubling about it is they're just about as far along in their investigation as the actual cops are. <laughs> they know about one eye jacks. They know about the perfume counter. They know about... <laughs> they have some of the suspects already this in This has mind. a really weird moment where Audrey... Donna's like, do you think Laura worked at One-Eyed Jacks? Uh-huh. And then Audrey starts talking about her oh picturing. God, yeah. She's like, do you ever like picture Laura working there? I get all shivery when I think about it, like an ice cube's on my back. And I wrote, weird horny flex, but okay. <laughs> like, why are you so horny for like the thought of Laura like prostituting herself like in an abusive situation with your dad? <laughs> like, I was like, this is a fucked up. I mean, Audrey's daddy issues the characters, so you know yeah. there's a there's 
But I'm also like, <laughs> what is it. she implying here? Is yeah. she getting shivery thinking she can solve the case? Is she getting shivery thinking of Laura fucking? Is she getting shivery about daddy issues? Like, it's yes, weird. Yes, <laughs> Oh, I'm, no. I'm gonna, it's, it, I think it's just a big basket. That's, yes, that's what Audrey is. Audrey's a big basket. You just toss whatever you and want. And later in this episode, there's another weird horny horny flex. So we'll get to I, that. I'm looking but... forward to it. It may be one that I have marked as well. <laughs> um, so we, we get a cut here to Norma and, and we get the first shot of Hank, her behind the bars husband. He's about to go in for some sort of parole meeting, yeah. it seems like. And she's there as some form of character witness or something. It's very structured, not like any parole meeting ever in real life is. Um, so do you think your wife will vouch yeah. for you? There's like laws against that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really bizarre. I wrote Norma's, um, Norma's husband is trash. So, so yeah, he's garbage. Um, so there's like, there's like this line Hank says where he goes, he said, you really got to help me out. He says, they're starting to put the zap on me big time. And I'm like, what the fuck? They're starting to put the zap on me big time? And he's like, I'll change. I want to change. It's like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Yeah. There's a lot of characters in the show where it's like, oh, it's kind of ambiguous whether this is a good guy or a bad guy. Hank always presents as a bad guy. He always will be a bad guy. <laughs> like it's, it's obvious. It's there's you, there's no mystery with Hank. He just fucking sucks. That's the whole story there. Uh, he's a, dude is a snake in the grass. And now we move on to <laughs> this. There's a lot of weird things in this. Scene. This is a weird episode. Yeah. This is so the cops are pulling up. What's happening here? I'll, I'll say what's supposed to be happening here and then the many shots that comprise it that don't make any sense when you add them up in your brain. The cops are showing up to the vet's office to try to get files to see if, like, oh, this his friend Bob was the veterinarian. Like, there must be some kind of lead. There was, like, an animal marks on Laura. Like, something must be going on. That was I think what, they, they're, like, Bob equals bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, Laura equals... Animal, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Mm, Bob, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a like yeah, a yeah, SAT yeah. question yeah, that just and, sucks. And one of one of the details Gordon Cole dropped when he called earlier was that the specific animal marks on her were made from a bird. Yeah. So um, basically, uh, they pull up, but when they pull up to this vet's office, it's like right next to a convenience store. They pull up. They park the car at the gas pump of the convenience store, and then they all get out and walk over to the vet's office. And it's weird Fucking cops, like, take up the pump, like, while everybody else, like, can't get gas now. realistic. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. Also, uh, confusing, because they're like, oh, in my dream, Bob and Mike lived above a convenience store. So I went into this thinking, they're going to go into that convenience store and ask around. And then they were like... Then they're talking to this little girl with like a cat or something, right? And I'm like, okay. And, and then it, and then it's like veterinary. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. And, and before we go there, Hawk just wanders in the background and high fives a random guy, never addressing it. <laughs> it's just like, like, fine, I don't care. But it's like, what is happening in this scene? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I like, like the idea that it was just an extra. And yeah, he yeah. was just like, hey. Yeah, yeah, but no, but like they. They definitely planned it because he goes up to high five him and the guy goes, oh, what's up, Hawk? <laughs> like, so it's like he was supposed to know who the character was and react to it. But I, I don't have any idea how this thing was blocked out. It does not make any sense to me. It's a weird scene. Um, so, however, acting performance of the millennium by this fucking llama that is in the <laughs> vet's office because they walk into the vet's office and like there's kind of this like menagerie of animals going by it's like this really slapsticky comic thing and the llama goes by 
Coop's face and it turns right into his face, snorts in his face, and walks off in a huff. Like you could not have directed an it's animal awesome. to work better. And what's And he's like, okay. And he doesn't break at all. Like I feel like if I was an actor and that had happened to me, there's no way I wouldn't have just cracked up on the spot. It's it's just absolute gold. A it's testament just, yeah. to Kyle's. Uh, acting to Kyle's prowess. acting prowess, but give that llama a fucking Oscar, like our lifetime achievement award or something. Like that was just so good. I like this scene because it has a line that I think is funny. They're basically like, we're gonna go through the records and see if there's anything that sticks out to us about this animal, like mm-hmm. veterinary. We're gonna try to tie it together. And he's like, hand me that Finley's fine twine. Like he calls it by its, almost like it's a product placement yeah, yeah, for the yeah, show. Yeah. Like oh, like. <laughs> Like, you know, the, like, Wayne's World. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 totally. But it's, like, the way he says it, he's like, please hand me the Finley's fine, fine twine. Fine twine. Almost like he needs to, like, turn to the camera and say it <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, yeah. So, anyway, they decide to confiscate all of the vet's office files and the, like, elderly woman behind the counter is like, what? <laughs> so, we move away from that. Nothing really made sense about it. Um, I mean, I guess in a roundabout way, it's like, okay, like, we're going to look through his file. There's, like, some sort of animal involved, whatever. But it really is a very haphazard scene. Like, it's yeah. weird. So so we cut to more age-inappropriate stuff with Shelly, like, and Bobby are, like, making out. Like, Shelly is, like, straddling him. He's, like, supposed to be a child. It's weird. Um, like, they're, and they're, like, making out super hard, and then she, like... Starts talking about the weird fail funeral from the day before while they're making out. Like, what the hell? Like, Shelly really trying to She's get like, into the mood. Yeah. Talking oh, about, that's like, the this other horny set. thing. She's yeah. like, I was watching you at the funeral. I wanted to hold you. And it's like, that's not sexy. That's, no, that's gross. Yeah, it's like, this was already gross. And you made it grosser uh. somehow. Like, you know what makes pedophilia way better? Adding some death. <laughs> it's just, now it's really good. Um, I So, like... There is this great thing where he's like, okay, like, I've got some shit I need to tell you about, Shelly, before we do this boning thing. Like, he's like... <laughs> and, and I want to, before you get into this, point out that he's like, come on, Shelly, I only have, like, a half hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or she's, or she... No, she no, says, actually, she I've says only it. got, like, a half she's hour. She's like, I have to be at work in a half hour. Yeah, yeah. she says it. Um, she says, I've only got a half hour. And he's like, no, I need to talk to you about some stuff. I'm figuring out some stuff about Leo. And it's this is a really funny scene, because Bobby... Frequent purchaser and ower of money to Leo, Leo because of cocaine goes, I'm starting to think Leo is selling drugs to the high school. <laughs> it's super funny. He's like, I, I think it's even possible he was selling to Laura. It's like, he was the guy that was buying it for Laura. <laughs> he was buying it. Uh, you don't have to cover your tracks that much, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So, so... Shelly, moved by this revelation, <laughs> is like, hey, check out this fucking blood shirt that I, I just left just it, that shoved just in a drawer. Left in this random drawer. It's now in a different drawer because it's inside of the house. She the moved house. it into a different random drawer and it's still around. And she's like, it's definitely Leo's because his initials are still. His initials. So this is really weird. She's like, it's definitely Leo's because his initials are sewn into the collar. He makes me stitch this into all of his shirts. All of like, his clothes. All of his she clothes. Said. Yeah, that's like all of his clothes. And he's like, "This is great. This is evidence." Here's a weird thing: in this scene, as this conversation is happening, Bobby's also wearing a monogram shirt. It's a it's a button up that has over the to- pocket. It says 
dick. Yes, it does. <laughs> what the fuck am Who's I supposed to do? Like, it's like bright purple. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like super obvious. And it's it's so weird that they're using like, oh, monogrammed name is obviously evidence. And is he where he's wearing an incorrectly monogrammed <laughs> shirt? Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, he's like, this is going to take Leo down. I'm going to take this shirt and do something. Yeah, yeah. And so here, here is what I was referencing in the previous episode where he's like, I'm going to do something with the shirt. Like, it's going to, I'm going to take Leo down. And she's like, what are you going to do with it? And he goes, you don't need to know. Which is exactly what Leo told her in the previous episode when he was going out to do crime. Shelly, so, you don't yeah, need to know. Yeah, yeah. So I will say <laughs> it, it is a good bit of writing to say, like, Shelly, none of these guys are good guys. Like, <laughs> they're all they're all bad to you. But and then, then she's, like, in her bra, and she's like, I have this gun. Will you teach me how to use it? Which is just very American, yeah, in yeah, my yeah, opinion. Yeah. But again, they only have, at this point, they only have like 18 minutes. And he's like, yeah. He's, he's in high school. I think she has realistic expectations <laughs> for what's like, going to happen. If, then, and, that includes the commute and, and, back to the and, diner. Yeah, yeah, well, and I, I will I will point this out. When we next see Shelly, she's pretty unhappy. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I didn't even put that together. Um, okay, so anyway, we've got, we're going back to my next note here is it's really annoying to me how Coop is totally unflapped by how all of his dream <laughs> shit is a bust. So I don't actually remember what we cut back oh, to from we this. we cut back to uh, they're going to do shooting practice. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. That's right. And okay, Andy yeah. is emoting about his problem. Because, again, Coop's like, so how long have you been Lucy been like? Yeah, been like. And he's and like, I'm, oh, man. That's, I don't even know. And this whole know. scene like, is super misogynistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, Pfft. Women, different blueprints, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that here. So, like, they're basically, Coop's like, we all need to train in, like, gun. Because Andy dropped his gun. And we may need to gun people during this investigation. So, they, they like, walk down. There's, like, an enormous shooting range under the (laughs) police station. Uh, Like... Listen, I grew up in small town America. The shooting range is you walk out in your backyard. Like, <laughs> this is not how... They're in the middle of the woods. They yeah. can shoot anything. How are they this well-funded that they have like this huge basement shooting range with like automated target-moving things and stuff? Really strange. Um, they go down there... Uh, there's like this, like, you know, Andy's a comically bad shot, of course. Like, Hawk is like, good job, Hawk. Like, all your bullets hit. Like, you got two kills or whatever. And like, like, Coop shoots like a million bullets to the same hole or whatever. It's like, they have this conversation you're talking about where he's, where Coop is like, Andy, don't worry. There's no logic involved in this fight with Lucy. In the grand design, women were drawn from a different set of blueprints. <laughs> and they're like, I hear that. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? That's me. How, however, there's this great moment with Hawk here yes. where he says, he says, one woman will make you fly like an eagle. One will make you strong like a bear. But only one will... What does he say exactly? <laughs> I, I can't remember. I remember. Yeah, but He's like, one will make you feel like you can... Sores, like yeah, 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 yeah. Weird. He says only one woman in your lifetime like really completes you or something. And they're like, oh wow, like what is that? He's like, I wrote that for my girlfriend. <laughs> and, then, and then they're uh, like, yeah, Diane Shapiro, yeah. a PhD from Brandeis. <laughs> I love that 
like Hawk has this doctor girlfriend that he writes Diane Shapiro that he writes terrible poetry for. <laughs> like that is such a good moment that truly does not get revisited enough. But <laughs> and they kind of touch on Cooper, uh, Cooper's like, oh, there was like a woman. Oh once. yeah, yeah. They, they said, they, were you ever married or whatever? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. After he makes that thing, like it's women are bullshit, and then it's like, Coop, what happened with you? And then he stares off into the distance, and sad music begins playing. He's like, I knew a woman. And it's like, oh god! Like <laughs> this is the least interesting bit of backstory you've ever done on this show. Oh, um, I'm glossing over it here because we learn nothing of substance about it. It becomes important later on, but yeah. for all that it matters right now, Coop has women issues, <laughs> and, he, and then yeah, and he doesn't like to talk about it. No. Uh, then Lucy actually calls and starts trying to explain what she's finding in the files, mm-hmm. and they're not understanding her because she doesn't know how to explain anything. And then she's saying, you don't understand these files are not organized by customer name or pet type. They're organized by pet name. Yeah. So they're alphabetically. Like really alphabetically. So it's like if you had a dog named Ag- like Agnes, it would be like the first thing. Yeah. So they ha- they're like, well, better get more coffee. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. And like, they get it. So they can <laughs> all help her yeah, because so, it's just not yeah. something somebody... So while, while the, like, so while the girls at the high school are like, we need to figure out how to infiltrate this brothel the cops are like let's go through an alphabetical set of pet names <laughs> because of a pet that may or may not exist may have been involved in this because like, a veterinarian like, might have the same name a, as a as a, a person dream. that Coop saw in a dream <laughs> it's like what the fuck what um, is going on so we we cut back to the the uh Double R. Double R. And sure enough, Shelly does not look very happy upon returning to work. <laughs> so that that 18 minutes must really have been mostly the car ride home, I'm guessing. Um, and I'm also guessing she didn't learn how to shoot the gun. That's what no. I'm going to say. Um, so, like, immediately... She's talking about murdering her husband as she walks in from in here. Maybe Wow, is that ever a yeah, mood? <laughs> yeah, which, like he's abusive and stuff, but it's that's not the issue. It's like maybe just don't talk openly about murdering your husband at work, like as soon as you walk in. Like there I, there's customers around and shit. They're probably like, I'm feeling really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I like this scene because Norma's like, look at us. Two women with four dudes between them. <laughs> yeah. And, and we're all just fucking unhappy as yeah. shit. They they do say she does drop this thing here. Norma's like, let's have a day of beauty. We'll go to a spa. Many get petties. facials. Many petties. And Hair. I'm like, I really want to see the Norma Shelley Day of Beauty bottle episode. Like, I want that. <laughs> like, <laughs> imagine them like that office. The picture I sent you from the office the other day of, of oh, Karen, Karen and, and Phyllis. Phyllis. <laughs> <laughs> it was like their weird, like... Midwestern yeah. cucumber slices <laughs> over their <laughs> eyes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so we. Day of Beauty. Yeah, Day of Beauty. Gotta have it. Um, so, what happens here while we're at the diner is that James does his normal thing where he like walks angrily into a scene to do something unrelated to what's <laughs> going on in the scene. And sure enough, he like storms in into the diner just to pick up the phone and call somebody. And then he calls, uh, Donna. he calls Donna and he's like, Hey, I can't hang out. And she's like, Come hang out. I found out something about Laura. He's like, Okay, I'll come hang out. And then, <laughs> like, so, yeah, it's like, Stop saying you're not going to so, do so, something. So then, Madeline, who... Wait, this is funny because 
In the background, Donna's da- dad is yelling about diet oh, yeah, lasagna. That's right. that's right. Who's ever heard of diet lasagna? And Tell that James to get over here and help me out. I the church potluck is tonight. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that's a, you're right. That, diet lasagna. I would be remiss not to mention that moment. Um, so what happens while he hangs up the phone? Madeline comes into the diner, and James turns around and sees a character who looks exactly like Laura Palmer, and does exactly what you would expect James to do, and just gets really close to her right and awkwardly stares, saying nothing. And, she, <laughs> and she's like, and of course, like Sherilyn Fenn in doing this sort of early version of this character is this, this really awkwardly affected, like airy voice thing hey, like that she does she early on she kind of drops this in her later portrayals yeah. of the character which thank fucking god but oh, like awful. like for an early point it's really painful and like she's like my name is madeline and james like says nothing staring right into her face and she's like you think i look like laura and james is like yeah and it's like <laughs> it's, it's it's literally physically hurts to watch the scene. She's and, like, and, I live in Cedar Rapids or like wherever the fuck she yeah, lives. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then she's like, sometimes I would come visit for summers. I wish Laura and I were closer. Didn't you just fucking say you used to come out and visit over summer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How much closer do you want to be? We used to pretend to be sisters. I wish we were closer. What? This makes no sense. Um, yeah. And he's just like, hmm. And, and it's one of these scenes where it's like, yeah, it's supposed to be awkward, but also it's just, it's too awkward. Like, it's just painful to watch the scene unfold. I, I've written awkward like five times on this page. Um, okay. So we cut to the Great Northern Hotel. Um, I've written here in my notes, this exercise bike, no other questions during this trying time, please. Um, <laughs> oh, also, did we mention that Hank's coming home? Oh, wait, that, isn't that after this? I don't know, I wrote it right here. After uh, I wrote, sees Maddie, Hank's oh, I might. Home, I, I think I have this out of order somehow. Oh, okay, so, yeah. well, um, anyway, Hank's coming home Hank's from coming jail. Home. He's going to come home. Seriously, Nobody's not very important. That. Yeah, okay. well, it, well, it, it, is, will it be, is important, but, but, but it's, yeah. whatever. We could have stuck that in anyway. He's not home yet, yeah. Anyway, Yeah, ben, the, the exercise bike is like... Ben has this exercise bike. <laughs> It's he's set doing up, all right on it. It's set up right in front of a roaring fire, <laughs> and he's wearing a full track suit and is pouring flop sweat. <laughs> what, is, what is this? <laughs> hey, you know, he's trying to sweat it out. It's like this. Yeah, yeah, it's like a. It's, it's early 90s Bikram. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I guess so. Um, we have just another painful scene with him and Audrey. Audrey. Oh my god. Audrey is working this angle where she's like, hey, if I can get more into my dad's business, I might be able to figure out what's going on with this whole perfume counter one-eyed jacks thing. Please bear in mind this is occurring while the police force is at random searching through files of pets. (laughs) The entire police force. (laughs) There's a murderer out there. And and Audrey, who is like one of the least competent characters, is currently further along in this investigation than they are. Um, And so, like, she puts it on enough that Ben is like, yeah, alright, alright, like, I'll I'll do something with you. I'll try to get you involved in the business, whatever. And so she's making a little bit of headway with this sort of false making nice with her dad thing. Much more will come of this later. Um, I, uh... He gets on the phone, and he's like, yeah. meet me at the river, and be discreet. Yeah. Who could he be talking to? I don't know. We'll find out. 
Uh, then it goes to Gordon, right? I have, okay, this is where my notes got very messy. Yeah, yeah. Because again, so, I oh, I mentioned this last episode, but we're doing two in one right now, and I was watching this with my six-month-old, and she was being annoying. So she should be my notes are a mess right at so this point. So what's happening is we're back to the police folks going through veterinarian files, and Gordon Cole gets on, and he's like, Albert's team has determined that the animal attack was from a parakeet or a minor bird. And so as as he says this, Andy is like, oh, I have a file here for a minor bird. It's like named Wilson or something. With Waldo. A w. Waldo. Yeah, so of course, like with the implication being they've now gone through every single pet file to find this. It, yeah. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. It's, it's alphabetical. Um, and, it's like, and, and it's owned by Jacques Renault. And it's like... All right. So then it smash cuts to this like extremely horrible looking like like they're like sneaking quickly through the night towards like, Jacques Renault's apartment because they have this minor bird veterinarian file. It's, like you uh, better pay him a visit, which sounds like they're just gonna knock on his door and be like, "Hey, can yeah. you talk to us?" But instead, they're like, "Dun dun dun," yeah, yeah, like, rolling yeah, in the grass. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like trying to avoid spotlight. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got. We've got all the we've got all the good cops at the scene, not the bookhouse boys, because if they were here, the whole thing might have been over now. But <laughs> because it's only the cops, they knock on the front door, and what we see is Bobby's ploy is happening in real time. He's planting the evidence of the bloody Leo shirt in Jacques Renault's apartment, right? Thinking the police are obviously coming here since Bernard already got busted. So he's like runs out the back of the building when he hears the cops knock he's like oh fuck like i was here too late and so like jumps out the window so hawk is like i heard him jump out the window or whatever so like he thinks it's jock renault getting away he pursues bobby bobby's actually an athlete and therefore gets away which is actually a good piece of continuity (laughs) he is supposed to be a football player he's a teenager he's like literally never at school or football practice yeah so he Bobby gets away, but they find the shirt, which is what he was hoping was going to happen this whole like, time. And they're like, LJ, Leo John, because of course yeah, yeah, his yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, initials yeah. are in there, yeah, so. Yeah. So, I've written, God, Bobby is such a dumbass, but his ploy works? <laughs> yeah, it works, whatever. <laughs> um, and I also wrote, also these dudes are so lame, breaking into this house. <laughs> and there's like people playing tennis on the tennis court when they pull up. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. it's like. What is it, like, 6 p.m.? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, acting like it's, like, midnight and they have to be stealth? Yeah, like, I, it's really strange. It's very strange. <laughs> I feel like they filmed it, like, at a condo that they didn't get permission to, and those were just, like, legitimate, like, people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They, 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 just, they were sneaking like this to avoid, like... <laughs> Film uh, permits or whatever. Um, okay. I have a couple of details here that I think got a little mixed up in me writing it, so... I know that we have at some point here, um, Ben Horn winds up, this is following from the phone conversation he got on after Audrey spoke to him earlier. He meets up with Leo somewhere by the river. He meets up with Leo by the river. He said to be discreet and Leo shows up with a bright red sports car (laughs) and he's like, are you fucking serious right now? Yeah. However, the bright red sports car was uh, Jacoby's hint at the beginning yes. of the episode that he basically dropped in this really awkward way. So uh, right now we've got a lot of signs pointing to Leo. However, yeah. um, 
Leo seems to have other shit going on. He's murdered Bernard for having <laughs> basically having been caught. He's like, dude, snitch. I don't know. <laughs> fucking killed him. So that's like, that's pretty yeah, like the late Bernard. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and Ben is basically here saying, I'm paying you off to torch the... Um, Torch the, Lo- uh, the, the sawmill yeah. in like a couple of, in three days, he says. Yeah. So this is. He says that he's like, I got this shit going on with like the drugs. And he's, he calls them glue sniffing squish heads. He's like, you're dealing with a bunch of glue sniffing squish heads. I'm paying you to do an arson. And I just think glue sniffing squish heads is an amazing <laughs> thing to say. Uh, um, but basically, yes, he's like, I'm going to hire you. I want you to burn down. Yeah, yeah. I want you to burn down the, the middle of three days. <laughs> yeah, so, however, with all the signs about the Laura stuff pointing to Leo currently, and Leo now being mixed up in the sawmill thing, we have a lot of signs pointing to the same guy, which we know in this series tends to mean, okay, so it's obviously not him. <laughs> but, you know, what all of that sort of adds up to, we don't quite know yet. Um, we also have some other folks sneaking around at night, which is, I guess James met up with Donna about this shit that she heard about the, uh, Sa- when she was at the sketch yeah, artist Sarah's, situation earlier. Sarah's vision about the necklace uh, about being About the necklace gone. being picked up. So they go back to this extremely obvious spot with this giant rock that marked where it they It might as well say Laura's necklace yeah, yeah. on it. And they dig through it and he's like, oh my god, it's super not here. It's like not here. How could they possibly, what? And, and, uh... Um, he's like, how did she, how did she even know this? She didn't do it. And, um, Donna's like, well, Laura always said her mom was kind of spooky. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if we're going to hear more about that later. But she's also like, Laura had spooky dreams too. And it's like, oh, Oh, that's also interesting. I wonder if we're going to hear more about that. This hasn't come up before? Yeah, yeah. But like, all of a sudden they're like, hey, everybody has visions. Like, remember when Coop was like, I have visions. And everybody's like, what? What the fuck? And now it's like, now it's like every character Oh, yeah, Sarah and Laura have Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's an owl that's There's an owl that's watching them. And they're like, Donna with the most explicitly a cab moment yet in the series, where where James is like, I don't know, I think I think we gotta talk to the police about this. And Donna's like, the police didn't love Laura, they don't care. <laughs> we love Laura. And he's A-cab. like, and he's like, oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. Um, I'm, I'm shocked he wasn't like, maybe we could call the book house boys because yeah, 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 yeah. James is just a fucking bumbling fool constantly. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> We're, we're back to the Packard household. Um, so, true Her- Sheriff Harry, he's like, "Hey, uh, I'm not going to be." Calls Josie up. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to bone down tonight. I got way too much stuff going on with this like murder thing. We just like broke into a French Canadian's place. You know, like those guys, right? Am I right?" Yeah. He's like, uh, "By the way." Were you at the motel? Or, oh, well, Josie's going. No, I need you to come. I need. I. I really need you right now. He's like. Uh, by the way, were you at the motel earlier? She's like, gotta go. Bye. Can't talk anymore. <laughs> Click. What? Breaking up on the motel. Click. Um. And so, like, she hangs up on him, like, pretty abruptly. Pete's like, well. Uh, well. <laughs> He's like, you want to join a fishing competition a mixed doubles fishing competition <laughs> i seriously gave up writing notes at this point i yeah. wrote josie pete fishing yeah and then that, he, he specifically refers to it as he's like well the local fishing association's gonna have their annual due that's what he says their annual due he says and i'm the defending singles champ but this year i was thinking about doing the mixed doubles competition <laughs> Yeah, every girl wants to hear it. And Josie's like, 
does her like racist gimmick of where they have her like mix up uh like common sayings she's like let's try it a go or something that doesn't make any sense <laughs> i know i and forget what like, she says yeah, exactly it, it, but yeah it's like really weird um and then we end on this really weird note where josie opens up the mail <laughs> and she receives this like extremely photo accurate illustration of it's like a, a cross hatching yeah, it's very of, nice of a domino and then immediately after pull, opening up the card receives another phone call <laughs> which she picks up and it's Hank calling from prison sucking on a domino going did you get my letter <laughs> yeah literally <laughs> like, do you he have some, someone watching yeah, yeah and also if he was just going to call her anyway and be like hey what's up like why send the freaking letter? Like, he's calling her from jail. It's not like they're not monitoring this conversation. Oh, that conversation costs $5 a minute. And somehow, and that's, that's the end of the episode. It's so weird. And it's so funny to go from epi- the first three episodes to four and five because they are just so, like... There's a lot happening, but it's just weird. Like, yeah, they're just yeah. weird episodes. Yeah, I, it's I like, think let's it's, just blast through them and get to something better. Yeah, I, I, I think it's like, I think it's, I'm going to repeat a little bit of what I said at the end of the previous episode, but I, I think it's in this really, the series is in like a little bit of an identity crisis at this moment where they've kind of really expanded the possibilities of what they can do with this by bringing in this vague supernatural element, by sort of going a little bit deeper into each of these characters lives but it's like it's thrown out a lot of lines and it hasn't quite yet decided how it's going to start reeling them in so it just kind of keeps doubling down on each thing it's like like, okay well coop has visions guess what like half the characters have visions now uh there's a police force well guess what there's like a super library police force now (laughs) library Um, police force you know it's like uh there's there's like a French Canadian dude smuggling drugs in. Guess what? He has like 15 family members, and they all do it. Like it's it like, it, it, you. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a there's a husband in prison. Guess what? Yeah, he's maybe boning someone. Yeah, yeah, like who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows what's yeah, happening? Yeah. He plays it's like, dominoes. It's like every every, every character that's coupled up. Guess what? They're boning some other character. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's just it's without end. Like it just it sort of and all of this stuff. Most of it, I should say, does eventually pay off in an interesting way. But we're in we're we're very much in the moment of like, well, you better be along for the ride because you're not you're not getting any payoffs right now. And if anything, it's like actively getting more wearing yeah, the track all convoluted. Stuff. So. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, that's that's it. I mean, do we have anything interesting from Matt's corner? Do you have a corner? producer's corner this episode? Not much. You know, I didn't have much to look up, really. It's um, a weird episode. Yeah. It's not. There's not anything, like, super trivia. F- like, I love trivia. So I'm like, ooh, yes. did you know, like, when that happened, that wasn't meant to, you know, or right. whatever. But, like, The this- only thing I, I did look up was because it's the first appearance of Gordon Cole. I looked up that character on the, the wiki here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this just... This cracked me up because it said the loud voice was originally unintentional, but soon became one of, if not the most significant trait of the character. That's just David Lynch. Yeah, just a loud, weird guy. Yeah. Like, how can we justify him screaming at everyone without being like right. he's an eccentric director? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> he wears these insane earphones all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> and apparently, uh, Mark Frost suggests that a firing range mishap is what uh, caused the the hearing loss. Oh. Is that like so a the, thing with? I don't, no, I don't know. I don't know if it's recorded show or not. I don't I even know. remember to be honest. Well, yeah. I like remember. Frost is kind of notorious for going into interviews and going, 
sure <laughs> when right, people right. say stuff at like him. Like J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. I asked. I asked Fritz, my husband, to get a screen grab of Little Elvis, so I'll be tweeting that out when he does. <laughs> nice. Whoa. I'm like, <laughs> and trying to explain it. I went a little quiet for a second while you're talking because trying to explain. I'm like, okay, about three <laughs> scenes in, it's gonna be Catherine and Ben. And there's going to be some chaos outside, and he's going to pull out a little Elvis doll. I'm like, can you just try to find it? It's like three, like if you take it's the scenes. It's like scene, three frames, yeah. It's like I'm like, if you take the scenes, like I'm trying to estimate maybe ten minutes in. He's like, can, can you just show me when you get home? Meanwhile, yes. pretty quickly, we could probably pull up the Saturday Night Live Tiny Elvis Nicholas Cage I, sketch. Do you remember uh, That's this? Rob Schneider, right? Yeah, Rob they Schneider. did it twice. Schneider was once, and Nick Cage did it the first time. I have to say... That that song is in my head a lot. The Tiny Elvis theme. Tiny Elvis! I'm gonna live in a shoe or whatever. That is actually in my head a lot. And I think I recently mentioned it, and and Fritz was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, and again, trying to explain, well, okay, Rob Schneider is tiny. (laughs) He lives on like a dashboard. Like, it's like, I I just sound insane. Look at that cold man, that's huge. (laughs) (laughs) It works. It did work. That was a great, that was a really good sketch. That's comedy. Gold. Damn you, Bob Schneider. Um, this one's a hit. You just gotta relax and record. It's a strangely horny episode in weird spots, and it, I'm just like not having it. The Audrey is tiring, but, but honestly, and I know I say this like every episode, but the whole Catherine Josie thing is just so boring to me. Yeah, I'm like, can we stop talking about these people? Yeah, like it gets a little better, and it gets like way worse. <laughs> yeah, and then it gets like a little better, and then it just kind of goes away. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, all that suffering I for mean, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's not for nothing. Like a lot of the characters pay off in like other ways and other subplots, but. It's definitely, it's hard to sit through some of this stuff. Oh, God. But anyway, that's speed. Um, what, what I, one thing I did mention, and needs to be mentioned as often and as much as we can say it, is that now that James has awkwardly laid his eyes on Madeline, we are on this long, inevitable march towards just you <laughs> and I. We'll all suffer through that together <laughs> someday soon. Oh, God. Multiple times, because Lynch was not content to let it lie 25 years later. <laughs> um, before we sign off, I do want to plug our Twitter. I forgot to do it in the last episode, but we do have a Twitter account, which has very few followers, but for some reason, really big engagement. Yeah, yeah. It's mildly <laughs> like, viral on the Twin Peaks Twitter like, scene. It's at TP Logcasting. And I don't know, just follow us. We tweet from it every once in a while. I finally remembered to look up from like three months ago when I messaged uh, Chris the information for the login so I could get him on it again. But, um, yeah, follow us. I don't know. Every once in a while we tweet something funny. Like that Ed in a gimp suit. Like, oh, when God, there was like 200 <laughs> likes on that. I'm like, what is wrong with all of you? But, yeah, I don't know. Follow along with us. We're pretty cool. And um, also we are all on staff of Drunk Monkey. So check us out because that's our literary journal that we literally never plug anytime that we're on yeah, it. Well, yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how... how- 
big is the Venn diagram overlap between somebody who I actually I guess probably most of the listeners are people that already know it. So <laughs> whatever, it still remains to be said. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it should still we should still say that we, we should work be proud of something. It's, it's, uh, we do it, put it, hours of work by many people <laughs> every single month to produce a, a reasonably high quality literary magazine. Let's never mention it. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should log off, and <laughs> we'll see you for episode six. And I'm Colin Carney Hefner. I'm Chris Pruitt. Bye. Consider this your invitation to love. We love you. Bye.